Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new, best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you guys doing today? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a single episode because one comes out every single week. And you want to especially stay tuned to today's episode because I am here with Gabrielle Stone, who is the author of Eat, Pray, FML. Hello, Gabrielle. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I am. I mean, I know before we hit record, I told you just how like this is just an amazing amazing uh, conversation that we get to have today because I'm a huge fan and I totally binge listened to your book. Um, and it really sparked the desire in me to want to have you on today because you really told just such an authentic and vulnerable story around how it was that you used your own heartbreak to pave this beautiful, unexpected healing path to self-love. And so that is what we are going to talk about today, everybody. So Gabrielle, before we dive in, I'd love to share a little bit more with our audience about you. So Gabrielle's... Okay, great. So Gabrielle Stone is no stranger to the world of entertainment. Growing up on set with her legendary scream queen mother, Dee Wallace, who is otherwise known and has been in Cujo and E.T., she had days of licking off mommy's fake blood and watching behind the scenes movie magic. Seeing the world with mom and dad gave her the travel bug at a very early age until Gabrielle experienced a real life horror when she lost her father suddenly at the age of seven. After many years in the industry herself, Gabrielle transitioned from media acting roles to writing and directing. Her award-winning films, It Happened Again Last Night and After Emma, gained her awards for writing, directing, and acting. But she had a bigger role in life that would soon present itself freaking badass. And after the rug was vigorously pulled out from under her when her husband's affair came to light, she found herself falling into the arms of another man. After a second failed attempt at love and a massive heartbreak, she decided that instead of landing flat on her ass, she'd make a career out of it. And so came the birth of the book, Eat, Pray, FML, where she shared all the mistakes, all the lessons, and most importantly, how she became a fearless leader from it all. When fans around the world demanded more, the highly anticipated sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single single Girl and the podcast FML Talk were born. And Gabrielle soon realized that her broken heart had bloomed into 
a movement. And I love that about you because it really has. And so I would love for you, I know that I shared a little bit about your story, but just in terms of, you know, what motivated you, what kept you going through, uh, you know, through what it was that you were experiencing to really take a stand and really start speaking from this, you know, FML talk voice. Yeah. I mean, it, I always say that I feel like Eat, Pray, FML kind of happened to me. I was working as an actress and a director and when that was, you know, in my mind going to be my long-term career. And I was married and in a marriage for almost two years when I found out that he was having an affair with a 19-year-old for six months. Um, I filed for divorce, left. And after that, I met this guy and we fell madly in love with each other and had just this like whirlwind romance of like, you know, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with you. Like we're signed, sealed, delivered, done. And he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy Obviously, as, as you mentioned, 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was beyond devastated. Like he broke my heart, like my ex-husband never could have done. And I had a decision to make in that moment. I could have stayed home and been heartbroken and dealt with these two massive kind of like upheavals of my life. But something in me was like, no, you got to get on the plane. You got to go take the trip and something yeah. huge is going to come from it. And I think I learned that at a very early age to answer your question. Um, when I lost my father, I lost my dad pretty traumatically. When I was six years old, I walked in and found him dead on the floor from a heart attack. And uh, my mom was across the world shooting a film and she was on the next flight home, came home, got all of our affairs in order, had his celebration of life and picked me and my nanny up and we went back and she finished the film. And it was in that moment in my little six-year-old brain where I was like, oh, when stuff explodes into your life, like this is how you kind of power through yeah. it and make something of it and you can't let it define you. So I think from a very early age, I kind of had the we're going to get through it mentality. <laughs> You did. But, you know, I think that it's also, you know, it's almost like you had a double whammy, though, going into it. Right. Oh, so, absolutely. so it, even though you had this strength that you had been through as a child, you know, it, what also ends up happening, too. Right. Is that, you know, we start kind of we learn stuff about ourselves that that comes out from trauma that we've experienced. And I'd love for you to share a little bit more. Um, obviously, I want everyone to go read this book because it's literally, it's so good. You're not gonna be able to put it down. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about how on this journey, right, where you decided to travel by yourself, how it was that you were starting to sort of unravel pieces of yourself, pieces of the trauma that you had been through and how it was that you leveraged this solo vacation to move through a lot of that. Yeah. So when I found out I was going to be taking the trip by myself, I'm a very big believer in everything happens for a reason. Normally yes. you can't see it till you're a little more removed from it. But even right. in this situation, I knew why this was happening the way it was. So as I mentioned, I lost my father when I was a little girl that really instilled this fear of abandonment in me yeah. and really afraid to be alone. And how that manifested in my adult life was I always had a roommate. I was always in a relationship. I 
you know, people were always sleeping over. I never really wanted to be by myself and was never comfortable being by myself. Um, I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident when I was 18. And that kind of like reopened that wound for me to really feel like when I love someone, they die and that fear of abandonment. So going on this trip, it was almost like an ironic nudge from the universe. Like, okay, well, yeah, now it's time to go really face all of that head on in a big way across the world by yourself. Um, So I I knew going on it that it was going to be this kind of like life altering journey. And it most definitely was. Um, But I think bits and pieces along the way, like it was very introspective. Like there were Mm -hmm. days where I would sit at whatever place I was staying at in whatever country I was in and write for six hours. I would take long train rides and just write because I was writing the book on the trip. Right. So that was like my form of therapy. And I think the fact that I was physically writing it in a journal, I was feeling these emotions in my body and they were coming out onto the page. There was a spiritual kind of like let go whenever it would get onto the page. Um, And I, I really went in a lot and, and was like, why am I feeling like this? Why am I, why am I going through these different emotions? And what is that saying about me? And what, what can I uncover to heal within myself? Don't get me wrong. I was also out partying and meeting people and like doing all the things you're supposed to do on a Europe trip. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, of really digging deep in to, to figure out why certain things were happening the way they were. Yeah. And I think you say something really um, valuable that, you know, I say to my audience all the time and, and by no means am I assuming that this was easy for you to do, but we tend to avoid the emotions, right? We want to stay away from them because they're too painful. They're too, you know, we allow ourselves to go in and then we quickly pull ourselves out. How did you keep yourself in that moment and just continue to really kind of you know, what I always say is like the shortcut is feeling through all the pain. So how did you keep yourself in that space while you were writing? Um, It's interesting because the very first day on the trip, when I really like started writing about day one, um, there's a section in there that's like, if you're really truly going to meet yourself where you are, you have to be willing to sit in the shit. Yeah. Figuratively, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I really committed to that. I really committed to being like, okay, if I wake up one day and I'm like, I can't even deal with the healing aspect of this, I'm going to go out and have some cocktails and meet some people. That's what I did. If I woke up and was like, wow, I really just feel like I need to sit here and write and cry and listen to music that makes me want to just jump off a building, then I'm going to do that. Um, it was very like, honoring the journey that I was on to bring whatever wanted to come up to the surface because you have to allow space for that. Um, So many times when, you know, we go to therapy, which I'm a huge advocate of, um, or we want to fix something that we're struggling with in our relationship, (laughs) we're like, let's fix it now. Like, let's go to a session and get it done now. Um, But a lot of times, things that have been with us for very, very long time that like our inner child still dealing with that stuff needs time and space and, and calmness to allow it to come up. Um, and unfortunately we can't always dictate what, when that's going to happen. Um, so I really gave myself the grace of allowing whatever was going to come up to come up and deal with it as it did. 
Yeah. And then how did you navigate that while you were traveling in these magnificently beautiful countries and still trying to be present, right, to having these experiences, but then having these emotions along the way? How, like, what were some ways that you were able to really both stay present to the experience and also not allow your past experience that you were processing to take you out of that? I mean, I wish I could say I had this grand scheming plan to do all this and can like give you a <laughs> Wait, step you by didn't? Step. <laughs> Shocking, I know, Shocking. right? What do you mean? You were just right. flying by the seat of your pants? Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I did do um, is a technique that I write about in the book that I came up with called the thought onion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came up with this on the streets of London, um, walking pretty yep. much like pissed off that I had had this like visceral reaction to something that happened. And in my brain was like, okay, well, do we want to figure out why you're pissed off? Or do you just want to like stomp your feet and be a little bitch about it? Um, <laughs> and I like rolled my eyes and was like, no, okay, I want to figure it out. Um, and it's basically a way that you can look at your thoughts or your reactions that you have in the moment and kind of like peel those layers back to get to what's at the core so that you can then adjust and have a different reaction in the future. Um, And there's a lot of healing that comes when you can get to that center. So you look at it like an onion. The first layer is the superficial thought because it's usually very superficial when you have that initial knee-jerk reaction to something that's upsetting you. Um, And you take a step back and you look at the authentic thought. And that's kind of like the emotion within you that is causing that initial superficial thought in the first place. Um, And when you can get to what's underneath that, it's usually a long stemming trauma or something that's been with you for a very long time or a subconscious belief. And that's really where the meat and potatoes is. And you can really be like, oh, this is something I need to heal if I want to change my behaviors or patterns in the future. So that was a really big tool that I used throughout that entire journey. And it's something that my readers really like take with them and are like, oh my God, I use this in my journaling now. And it's really changed the way I can look at things. Um, Cause my mom's a healer. So I grew up with a very advanced version of that. And I needed something personally to where if I couldn't just call her on the phone and be like, what the hell's going on? Help me um, that I could do myself and was very basic, but powerful at the same time. Yeah, I, I love, I love that you had that influence, which many of us really don't. I mean, I wish God, I wish I did, I would have saved so many years. But I think that, you know, it's so powerful to hear also what I heard you say, and to people who are listening, who, you know, are, you know, getting something from what it is that you're saying, I hope what they're getting is that you're really opening, you just allowed yourself to be open to what was coming through without judgment per se, and just allowing it to process and and flow through. I love the metaphor of an onion because I think that, you know, we don't give ourselves enough compassion and grace to see that we are complex human beings and that there are all these layers that, you know, are exposed at different points in our life. Um, and I think that a lot of us get scared to really expose those different layers. Um, you know, and, and I think a big one that you also tackled, you know, was traveling by yourself, not knowing anybody going to foreign countries by yourself. I mean, I can tell you the first time I traveled abroad by myself, I was terrified. Um, and yet at the same time, it was like the most liberating, powerful experience ever. So 
Can you talk a little bit about how you were able to kind of shift your mindset from that fear to possibility as you were really on the plane, I suppose, or maybe in that moment you decided and said, well, I'm still going and- Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I definitely had all of those mixed emotions going into it. The only thing I knew about hostels when I was on the plane over there was that there is a horror movie about them and people get brutally <laughs> murdered in that. Um, and I was like, I, what do you mean? I'm just going to go by myself. I mean, I had never traveled alone unless it was to, you know, a different state to go to a film shoot, but then you're met by all the people that you're going to be working with. So it's very different. Um, and it, there was a lot of fear in it, but I always say when you can recognize the fear in your life and walk through it on the other side of that fear is massive change and massive growth. And it's going to be so worth it. Um, And I did know that. So I knew that whatever this trip was going to bring was going to be big. But solo travel, like I think everyone should do it once in their life. Even if it's not, you don't have to get on a plane and go, you know, to one of the farthest countries. You can go somewhere, you know, in your country. You can go camping. You can go to like a cabin a couple hours away. It's like just going by yourself. Um, Solo travel made me realize how capable I am all by myself. Um, and it, that is, sounds like such a simple thing to realize about yourself, but it is something that can carry you through a lot of hardships when you're like, yep, but I have me and I'm pretty freaking capable. Um, yeah. So that really was life-changing for me. And just like getting comfortable being alone, yeah. um, going to dinners by myself sitting, you know, on a street corner, having a glass of wine by myself, not feeling like I had to have people to fill the silence and the voids that were very much there at the time, Mm -hmm. um, was a huge learning lesson for me. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the things I love about the book too, is that, you know, you're so vulnerable in it that you really see your entire shift in your transformation, just how you go from sort of being, you know, a little nervous as anybody would be traveling by themselves. And, you know, by even like the middle end of your travels, all of a sudden you are just like opening yourself up to possibility. You're meeting friends, then you're reconnecting with friends. You're shifting your travel midway to to be with some of those friends. How were you able to really tap into that part of you that trusted, right? That you know, you were going to be okay, or that this was something you should be doing instead of, you know, what you had mapped out because you did change your plans a couple of times. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beauty of solo travel is that you're not on anybody else's schedule. So you can really be like, Oh, well, this person invited me here. I guess I'm going to do that because that's the way the wind's blowing me now. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge believer in signs. Like, you know, people can call it woo woo or whatever, but I, truly feel like I was guided in different ways, um, on that journey. And I think really like what's at the core of it is you have to just have trust in yourself that whenever you make a decision, whether it's going to not necessarily be the right decision, um, or if it's going to lead to something scary or something bad or something magical, like regardless of what it is, it's going to give you a massive lesson. Um, whether it's good or bad. So for me, it was, 
really just trusting in myself and allowing myself to not plan, which was such a huge hurdle for me because I'm so type A. Yeah. Um, like my my friends joke that like I plan dinners, you know, weeks in advance. I don't, but <laughs> it, it is at that level where I really <laughs> love to know what's going on and have a schedule. Right. Um, and so re- it was really letting go of a lot of things that had become a part of me that weren't necessarily serving me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I think it's so hard for a lot of us type A control. You know, I'm a type A personality. I like to be in control. I like schedules. <clears throat> I'm the same way, but I will tell you my divorce absolutely taught me the importance of spontaneity. It taught yeah. me the importance of flexibility because things don't go the way that you anticipate them going 99% of the time, right? We right, can sit right. here and, you know, have all these stories in our minds of how we think things are going to go. And it doesn't always necessarily um, happen that way. Um, you know, one of the other things that I think would be interesting for you to also talk about, um, if you would, which is, you know, when we're going through, when you go through divorce, you, you know, every now and then you hear from your ex and, you know, it like totally changes the mood. It totally shifts you. And while you were on your trip, you were in contact with Javier. So how did that work for you? in terms of like you know it's like you're in this experience and then here he comes and it's like did you find yourself easily pulled out and you got back into it or can you talk a little bit about how you dealt with when he would just kind of reappear yeah I think and social a, media <laughs> yeah, well yeah social yeah media is like a blessing and a curse the, right the first thing i tell any of my readers who are like what do i do to get over him i'm like block everything because yes. like it's crazy when you take away social media, the fact that they really don't exist anymore. Like yes. unless you're running into them on a daily basis, like they really feel like they don't exist. Um, but on the trip, it was really a, a tricky situation as you know, people find when they read the book, it, it wasn't like we broke up and it was like, cool, I hate you. You broke my heart. Bye. Um, we were still, you know, connected in a lot of ways. And yes, whenever, I had him kind of reach out or infiltrate my experience or my energy, it would definitely throw me off. Um, I think I was still stuck in the toxicity of the highs and the lows that that brought, Mm -hmm. that the surge that I would feel from that, um, I couldn't really decipher if it was a negative or a positive. Um, because I was still very much in love with that person. So it was very confusing. Um, and I, it really, it, it tests you in those moments where you're like, okay, am I going to let this person affect my energy, affect my day? Um, so, and more so on that trip was when I would get letters, um, emails from my attorney about, you know, the divorce. So I would be hearing, um, just like horrible things that my ex-husband was saying, and we were trying to get this whole thing settled and he was making it very difficult. Um, those were intense when I would get those, like I vividly remember my entire body having a reaction. And I know so many people that have gone through a divorce can resonate with what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's like, if you could just cut that person out fully, it would 
really make life so much better for you. Um, But you have to, that's obviously like not an option, especially if you're co-parenting or people have ties to that person. Um, So what I've found is that when those surges and those hits happen, if you can kind of, first of all, acknowledge it, acknowledge that it's happening to you physically, emotionally, and take a beat, shut your eyes and really like feel where it is in your body. For me, it's usually in my chest um, and visualize it passing through you Mm -hmm. and really like, okay, it's in my chest. I'm going to like envision it coming out of my chest and like evaporating into the air Mm -hmm. around me because so often things get stuck. Like we have those experiences and then we hold on to them and it's like, oh, that really doesn't feel good. And now I'm going to sit and talk shit about him for five minutes because I hate him. And obviously this isn't right what he's doing to me. But if we can stop and allow that to pass through us instead of being held on to us, it, it really has been a huge exercise for me. Look, I there's people that are like, you can, you don't ever need to forgive people that do horrible things to you. And I understand why people feel that way. I am on the other side of the fence where I really think that forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's for you because when we hold on to hate and anger, it's just clogging our own energy. So if you're out there trying to like manifest stuff in your life and create this beautiful life for yourself um, and attract these amazing things, those, it's like a law. Those cannot come to you when you're holding that bad vibration of hate within yourself. So mm-hmm. does my ex-husband deserve forgiveness for all the stuff that he did and continues to do um, to, to hurt me? No. Do I have any hate towards him? No. Um, because that's only going to hurt me. And it's really my perspective on it is I feel bad for him. I have sympathy for those people. Um, and when you can shift your perspective in that way, they become characters in your story as opposed to really charged memories and people. Um, and it's, it's freedom is what it is. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, just for everybody else's reference, I mean, you were traveling while you were also navigating conversations with your divorce attorney, getting divorced abroad (laughs) and (laughs) having conference calls. Super fun, super fun. So (laughs) easy and fun for you. I can can only imagine. Um, But what I love about your, what you just said is because I'm I'm very much in the same place, right? Um, You know, my ex-husband had a three-year affair with a much younger woman uh you know same kind of uh you know he hasn't changed he is who he is and you know so many times people will ask well how do you get over the betrayal how do you get over the resentment and you know i love that you said like it really it all starts within you and i'd love for you to talk more about the self-love piece and how you know i think Part of it, I mean, I, it's your story, but from what I got from the book is that it the, the traveling in and of itself really allowed yourself to fall back in love and to see what was so beautiful about you. Um, and, you know, I believe that things happen for us for a reason. And I believe that people come into our life for a reason to help put us on this journey. So how did you get back to that place where you did love yourself and you don't wish ill upon your ex and that you've really, you know, 
I, I always say I send, I send unconditional love to my ex-husband Yeah. every day. He's still, I mean, yeah. he is the father of my children and, you know, he is going to be in my life forever. And he is not someone I would ever choose any day moving forward. However, yeah. how do you stay in that place and how did you get there? So that's okay. There's so much to unpack in that one little question. Um, <laughs> so I did an episode on my podcast, FML talk around forgiveness, and it's one of our highest listened to solo episodes and people either love it and go back and listen to it all the time or hate it because it plugs them in. Right. Um, and one of the things that I do whenever I would have like an attack from my ex-husband, which is like literally a whole nother book, um, I would stop and go go to my love place, which you know is anything that really like makes you happy. It's usually like my my current partner or my dog. Um, and I send him love because like how sad of a life it must be to like hate me that much that you still try and do things. Um, right. So the forgiveness aspect is a big part of it, but it's like, how the hell do you get there? So I was on this trip and I knew that one of the things I was searching for was self-love. And everybody's like, you know, you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. And self-love is the most important thing. And I'm like, cool guys, I hear you. Can anyone teach me how to do that? And everyone was like, what you just are supposed to know. And I'm like, okay, like so, I want the roadmap and the shortcut, please. Right. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm an actor. Give me directions. Right. I'll follow them and I'll do them better than anyone else. But right. like nobody could give me a way to love yourself. So I was searching for this the whole time on this trip. And I think there's two parts of it I, because I didn't find it until I came home from the trip and had to pull myself out of a really big depression. Um, and can you hear my dogs? There I right can. Now. Yeah, they just it's all good. Camp. Oh, okay. <laughs> if they stop, guys. If not, um, it's all good. So uh, there's three of them. It's just insanity at my house. Um, <laughs> so I, you have to. There's two parts of the self love aspect. Um, and I didn't realize it until I came home from my journey, which is why it's written about in the epilogue of Eat Pray FML. But the first aspect of it is taking responsibility for what you've been attracting into your life. And mm -hmm. I am a perfect example of that. So I have always had the fear of abandonment when I love someone, they leave. Um, I attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me in the most heinous way possible. Um, and the universe was like, cool, are we ready to go uh, address this, Gabrielle? I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to go over here to uh, Javier. And I attracted <laughs> a man who quite literally, like it's almost laughable, abandoned me 48 hours before we were getting on a plane on right. a trip that he invited me on. Um, and the universe was like, cool, are we ready now? I was like, yeah, I guess we'll go deal with this. So it's taking responsibility, not that that's saying I deserve to be cheated on or I deserve to have this happen to me, um, but you have to take responsibility for the fact that you have something within you that you have not addressed, that you have not healed, that is attracting those people so you can learn those lessons. And yeah. people hate hearing that because they, a lot of times we want to like be in the victim, like this sucks, this happened to me. I just like, I keep picking the worst men. It's like, no, you're attracting those people into your life to teach you those lessons. If there's yeah. ever a pattern in your life that is the biggest indicator 
that there's something within you that needs to be healed and checked. Um, so the first half of it for me was taking responsibility of that and not being in like a, oh my God, all of this happened to me and like my whole life is ruined and I'm like, I'm so heartbroken and yada, 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 which like give yourself that for like, you know, a week. And then it's like, okay, let's figure it out. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, and then the second half of that, this whole like mythical self-love journey, um, everybody always thinks that it's looking in the mirror and being like, I love you, Gabrielle. You're the most beautiful, wonderful thing I've ever seen. And every time I did that, I felt like a freaking loony bin. Um, If you can do that, more power to you, by all means, continue. But it just didn't work for me. And when I came home from that trip, um, the carousel just stopped. And it was like, I had been go, go, go and new adventures and like healing and like, where are we going next? to, oh, I'm back at my mom's house. I'm 28 and I'm divorced. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And pulling myself out of that depression was really what created the self-love cocktail is what I call it. Mm Because obviously I'm going to equate it to, you know, wine or something. And what you do, it's so simple. You sit down and you write out things that you are capable of giving yourself every day that you love, that makes your soul just go on fire. Um, Not something that you need from a significant other or any outside forces, like things that you can do on your checklist that are gonna make you feel good. For me, that was going to the gym, eating well, meditating, dancing, creating, writing. Um, Obviously I'm not one of those like crazy people that loves and like loves going to the gym and just dying in sweat, but what it does after for me makes me feel really good. (laughs) Right. It's the after effect that keeps us going. Yes. Um, Or like staying in and watching trashy reality TV and ordering your favorite sushi, like whatever it is that like makes you feel like this is, this is what I'm giving to myself and it makes me feel good. Um, And you start doing things on that list every single day. At first, if you can only do one of them, then that's fine. And then you continue on and you add in more of those ingredients until you're having this fun mixology self-love cocktail. And when I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves, it was a total game changer for me because then it wasn't this mythical feeling I was chasing. It was like, no, it's like everything else in life. You have a checklist, do the checklist. When you've completed that, you're giving yourself self-love. Like when you have a significant other or a mother-daughter relationship or a friendship and you want that person to experience love, we do things that make them feel loved. So when you're talking about self-love, why would you not do that for yourself? Yeah, and I know that, I was guilty of like, I didn't know how to love myself either because I was a people pleaser and I did for my kids. I did for my husband. It was, Mm. I was, I wasn't even, I mean, I don't even know if I was on the list most days, (laughs) to be honest with you. And, you know, it does get to be that simple. It really is that simple. And, you know, I think that so many of us have this you know, image that it has to be something complicated. It has to be something big, right? Like self-care. Self-care can be just like taking a walk around the block. It can be picking up a book and just giving yourself a chapter to read or even just five minutes or going outside and letting some vitamin D hit your skin if you're lucky enough to live somewhere where there's still sunlight, you know? So I, I love... I love the cocktail reference, first of all, (laughs) Um, but, but it, it is. And, and I love that, you know, the, the cocktail also gets to look different every single time and you've come 
you've come through so beautifully and I know that it has been a journey and one that you've worked at. And I'd love for you to share with our audience today about the beautiful life that you have created for yourself, where you are today and you know what that has been like and how you've used your past to, to create the successful relationship that you're in now. Yeah, it was a journey, girl, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> so the sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl picks up right where Eat, Pray, FML leaves off and is two years of my life. Um, and in that book, you discover kind of how I got to the really healthy, amazing relationship that I'm in now. Um, we actually just got engaged in June in Italy. Congratulations. Uh, is, thank you. Um, Magical. Very, very full circle considering that's where my Eat, Pray, FML trip was supposed to start. Yes. Um, so all of my readers were just like, that have been on this ride with me this whole time. Like it was very full circle for so many reasons. Um, but it was a journey. I had a lot of healing to do. Um, he came into my life when I was not ready and not healed. Um, and you know, that, that second book really dives into how screwed up shitty men can leave you, um, and really putting the pieces back together and undoing a lot of the trauma that gets done. Um, I was so used to toxic love um, from patterns that originated with my ex-husband and the highs and lows um, right. that I experienced with Javier, the guy after. It, it really took a while for me to be able to recognize and accept healthy love um, because it didn't make sense to me that that could be enough if there wasn't that toxic passion element. Right. Um, and that was huge. Yeah. Well, and you, you also have assumed a new role in this relationship as well. So how has that been going? Yeah. My fiance has a 10 year old daughter. Um, and I've been in her life since she was five. So it's been an interesting dynamic because, you know, my my fiance has a lot of similar qualities and the same essence that my father had. Um, mm -hmm. Even my mom kind of makes that ma uh, comparison. Um, and he has a, a little girl who at the time was the same age I was when I lost my dad. So you can imagine like the type of weird healing stuff that that brought up for me to have to look in the mirror and recognize. Right. I was like, really? I thought we were healed from all this. What? Um, so it was- the universe it was, is like, there's a little more. Like, yeah, there's always going to be more. Yeah. You're like, okay, great. Thanks. Um, but it really, it, it was so just divinely obvious, like, you know, that I would end up with a person who had that dynamic to, you know, relationships are always going to mirror things for you to work on and to heal. Mm -hmm. And if they're good, healthy relationships, they will be what mirrored things that you can work together and grow together from. Mm -hmm. Um, and that in this case, that's definitely what that was. Um, and we have such a great relationship. Um, his daughter and I, she's, she's wonderful. And, uh, you know, she's my little bonus child. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's what you call her because it's, it really is. I say that step about anything sounds yeah. too, you know, like I, my stepdad is my dad. 
yeah it, it always makes it sound very weird yeah <laughs> I know and my my boys have a half sister but they you know I'm like she's your sister like half what like she's right. your sister like what you you give her half the credit for me right. you know it just like doesn't make sense like either they have an impact in your heart or not like it's yeah. all in or not I believe so it's yeah. I love it I love that phrase and Honestly, I, I just, I love you. I've been following you on social and I am a huge, huge fan of just, I just love how raw and authentic and vulnerable you are. You're so real, you're so relatable. And I want to make sure that everybody listening today knows where to find you, how to find you, where to follow you. So, and, and everybody just know everything's going to be in the show notes as well, but if you're driving, please listen. Don't write things down. <laughs> don't crash. Don't crash. Please don't um, crash. Thank you. That, that I'm, I really appreciate that, you know, I, I try really hard to show up on my social media in an authentic, real way um, because I think it, it can be such a toxic place. So I, I appreciate yes. you saying that. Um, <laughs> so you can find pretty much everything. You can go to eatprayfml.com. There's signed copies of the books. We have a ton of merch on there. Um, you can get to the Audible pages if you want to listen on audiobook. Um, you can get to the podcast, which airs every Wednesday. Um, but the books are other other than that, they're exclusively on Amazon. Uh, the first one is Eat, Pray, FML. And the sequel is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. I also have a self-love healing journal called Fuck Off, I'm Healing. <laughs> um, and I was like, wait, can I say F? Can I yeah. say the F word? Yeah. Um, and uh, it really is a step-by-step -step guide where I walk you through undoing a lot of the, the bullshit and the trauma that life has thrown at us. Um, and and really help you kind of dig deep and heal whatever's going on in your life in all aspects not like heartbreak only related um so all of that is uh either on amazon or on my website and your podcast yes and the podcast is called fml talk we really like it's become a safe space for just healing to happen um with obviously a few f-bombs thrown in there uh and some really <laughs> incredible guests we kind of dig into like every topic imaginable um and that airs every wednesday i love it oh my god gabrielle thank you so much for being here and you also have a special gift which also will be available for download oh, yes. in the comments so i'd love for you to share your cocktail yeah, so it's pretty much a a download, uh, a single page download of the self love cocktail. So you can really write everything in. It's like a little worksheet, um, and tape it on your wall and start doing your self love cocktail every day. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for being my guest and for sharing just you and your wisdom with our audience today. I like I can't thank you enough. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. And everybody tuning in. Wow, what a great episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to our conversation today. You know that with every episode that I record for you guys, that my goal with every single episode is to support you with at least one nugget of information wherever it is that you are in your healing process. So if you guys had an aha moment, if it sparked an idea, if you have questions, you know that I love hearing from you guys. So please don't be shy. You're welcome to email me at wendy at wendysterling.net make sure that you go buy Gabrielle's books or download them on Audible and listen to them. They're amazing and tune into her podcast, which is also so great. It's just great information, super authentic, relatable content, FML talk. Thank you guys for being with me today. As always, sending you so much love, light, and joy. Mwah!
Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time.